This is the Battery Theater softball team. You're listening to 1590? WCGO. <laughs> Chicago Smart Talk. The Mike Know That Show starts in three, two, one. Live from a cul-de-sac somewhere in Evanston, Illinois. It's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. After 20 years, still Chicago's only deep green gardening and environment program. Heard every Saturday morning on 1590 WCGO. Chicago's Smart Talk. Good planets are hard to find. Temperate zones and tropic climes. True currents and thriving seas. Wind blowing through breathing trees. Strong ozone and safe sunshine. Well, good planets are hard to find. Good planets are in the main. They're sometimes called the odd couple. If only because the word aberrant doesn't fit in the logo. Here they are, Peggy Malecki and Mike Novak. High forests, no wetlands, well, good planets are in the main. So they are. Hey, welcome to the program. Uh, we've all survived, well, some of us have survived <laughs> the the rains last night. What was it like up your way, Peggy? A huge light show. Yeah. A light and, and endless rumbling noise show as well. Holy smoke! It was uh, it was crazy. Last. All right, it started raining around nine o'clock, and I think it finally ended probably around six. This is this is the uh, screenshot I took of the radar wow. last night uh, in the midst of it, and this was like eleven, and this was just the beginning, and then there was yeah. more. It's like somebody threw yellow and red paint on your screen. <laughs> I know it's just nutty. Uh, and we're going to talk to our meteorologist, Rick DeMaio, about that today because Rick is back. He's back in town from his uh, whirlwind trip to uh, Iceland um, where he took a lot of photos and he met Frodo. And uh, <laughs> He may have just come back with that ring. <laughs> Bilbo Baggins. And, uh, and, and you know, and it, it really, it's... Uh, it it has that feel, those photos that he geysers and stuff. Mm-hmm. It's just it's a magic it's a magical world, except that that's it's not Irish. Uh what would be the Icelandic accent is what I would like to know. I don't it's know. It's more like a yump and yumini kind of thing. It's, I'll have I to ask know, him. We'll ask I'll ask Rick. Should have had a a Bjork bump in for the a, program. A, oh, is she Iceland? Yeah, I think so. Oh, okay. I I don't I, I don't know, but but the photos are the only way I know about Bjork at all. Is from watching Saturday Night Live, and then and then I watch those, whatever they do about her, and then I, so I have to ask myself, who is that, and why are they doing this thing? So <laughs> this shows you how out of touch I am with that sort of thing. But and of, at, of Monsters and Men, they're also an Icelandic band, and they're current. She's kind of old school already. Yeah, of Monsters and Men. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's you a nice know the songs, yeah. yeah, I probably do. Okay, uh, so Rick's on the show today, and uh, he will give us a report there, and he'll talk. We'll talk about the rain. We'll talk about. Uh, I hope I, I asked him to do a little bit on the forest fires out in British Columbia. I heard a report this morning that Australia is sending firefighters to British Columbia, which wow. doesn't. Yeah, I went online last night to look it up. It's still apparently still crazy. Yeah, there. Did. Dave had posted Dave Scott, who we've yeah. had on the program the last who couple I weeks. Who I believe we're going to have again on yeah. the show tomorrow. He said they were getting some rain, 
And I got a very brief Facebook IM from him saying it's getting a little better. Oh, okay. He didn't send me an IM. What the heck? I'm feeling rather dissed here this morning. First, it's uh, it's uh, making me do the auction, and then and now that <laughs> it's it's a plot. It is a plot. All right, Paul Virat, who's the chef. Well, he's a well-known chef. He's a, a, a internationally known chef uh, who has restaurants V in Western Springs and Vistro in Hinsdale. Uh, he's an author and canning expert, uh, and he's on the show this morning because uh, we are preparing for uh, the uh, 10th annual, what is it, Peak Harvest Farm Dinner? Titles are too long. If you put more than two mm-hmm. words in a title, I'm not going to get it right. It's the Peak Harvest Farm Peak Harvest Dinner. Farm Dinner. Uh, Angelic, or- it took me uh, like a decade to learn Angelic Organics Learning Center, okay? So don't don't throw other stuff at me. And it's a big benefit. Yeah, and, 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 and they do a lot of great stuff. Uh, in the area with uh, local farmers and teaching people how to farm uh, and uh, local food. It's uh, a great organization. And uh, the uh, event, if you've been listening to our show, you've heard us talking about it. Peggy and I have been talking about it at um, uh, Marchetti. What's the first Galleria part? Galleria Marchetti on Erie Street in Chicago. Galleria Marchetti. You know what? I'm, not even, I'm going home. I'm just turning <laughs> off my mic. I'm just going home. I really don't care. Uh, Galleria Marchetti this uh, Thursday, and uh, uh, yes, I'm the auctioneer, and there will be uh, food and music and fun, and it'll be a great time and, and stuff and stuff there. And, and I think tickets are probably still available. Yeah. Uh, go to my website, MikeNovak.net. All that information is there, or you can go to Angelic Organics Learning Center. Uh, before we break here, and we're just about to break, I just want to do a shout-out to one of our listeners uh, who... Uh, wrote to me this week, and that's David Tenenbaum. Give that man a ding. Uh, who just had some really, really nice things to say. First of all, he sent me music that he wants us to play because we were talking trash. We were talking about the professors talking trash, and he's got a Sam Cooke song about talking trash. Hmm. He said, you got to play that. So I'm hoping I can today. And uh, and he just had the nicest things to say. And so thank you, David. And he says he listens both on Saturday and Sunday. Uh, so he's the guy that's out there on Saturday and Sunday listening. Tell your friends, David. Tell all, tell all six of your friends and tell them they have to listen to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. All right, when we come back, Chef Paul Verant will be right back. Now's the time to get on board with one of McHenry County's premier sustainability and healthy living events. If your business offers products or services that are eco-friendly, healthy, locally produced, or energy efficient, McHenry County College wants you to join them as an exhibitor at its annual Green Living Expo. The event takes place November 4th, but registration for vendor and artist space is now open. McHenry County College is celebrating its 50th anniversary, and this year's Green Living Expo is going to be bigger than ever. They've added an artist walk where visitors can shop and chat with local sustainable artists. And if you offer eco-friendly holiday gifts, you'll have a head start on the season. Peggy and I were there last year, and the Expo is a great way to interact with McHenry County's green community. Register today for the McHenry County College Green Living Expo. Call 815-479-7765 or email sustainability at mchenry.edu. 
Let's face it, sometimes we overdo physical activity. That's when to give Dr. Bonnie Flaster a call. Dr. Flaster is a chiropractor who treats back and neck pain, but addresses foot, knee, shoulder, and wrist pain too, all with gentle, non-force adjustments. And she'll talk to you about your problems and work with you to devise the best treatment strategy. Find health tips at rivernorthwellness.com. Call Dr. Bonnie Flaster at 312-642-7545 and get back to feeling good. Being a meteorologist, you see things daily that can be related or not related to climate change. And then you separate that from the climate science and the social policies. So it's almost like teaching three classes. The meteorology, which is short-term, the climate, which is long-term, and then the policy, which is government, whether or not it's federal, state, or local. I'm meteorologist Rick DeMaio. Stick around for some more insight into weather and climate on WCGO 1590, Chicago Smart Talk. Your talk. This is your talk. Only on 1590. Your talk. WCGO Evanston, Chicago. Honey, when he promised you that fur coat, a baby could have seen through that. Now you were the believer, he wasn't the deceiver, he was just a talking trash. Oh, wow, that was weird. That, that, there we go. That's kind of thresholding there. I was like I was pulling the fader down, and then suddenly it went off. There we go. That's our Sam Cook, and that's to, to uh, listener David Tenenbaum. Thank you. It was a great idea, and we should have played it last week when we were talking about the professors talking trash. Uh, but we're not talking trash today. We're talking to Chef Paul Virant, who I believe is on the line. Paul, are you with us? I sure am. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? Great. Thank you for being on the show. How are you, Thank how, you Mike? How did you yes, sur- survive the uh, the weather last night? Uh, I survived. You know, I mean, I think we're we're all used to it by now, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> then, so this is climate change. Yay! Okay, yeah. we're very excited about it. Been a lot of water. A lot of water. Absolutely, and. Um, uh, Paul is here because, well, he's being honored this week uh, by Angelic Organics Learning Center, and uh, it is at their uh, annual deal, uh, which I have been part of uh, a couple of times, and it is their Peak Harvest Farm Dinner, uh, which you've been involved in for a while. Gosh. And mm-hmm. uh, um, so, first of all, congratulations. And Cal and Caledonia and just had had a ton of respect for, you know, what they were doing, but also to get into the educational component. So it, it's an amazing operation. So my, my sort of involvement came when they asked me to participate in their harvest farm dinner at their farm. And I, and I, I don't recall exactly what year it was, um, maybe five or six years ago. And they, they just, you know, they asked me to, 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 to put together a list of, of chefs from the Chicago area and put on a dinner. And I think, I think it was a pretty substantial dinner. I think it was maybe 250 or 300 people that, you know, that came out to the farm. And, um, you know, I reached out to some, to some of my chef friends like, like Jason Hamill at Lula, mm-hmm. uh, Johnny and, and Derez, who at, at the time had, had Telegraph and Reno, Scott Manley, who, 
who was over at Table 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 Donkey Stick, and uh, and we we put together a huge a huge spread of food. It was well received. I even brought actually, and I was I was reminiscing about this with my kids. My kids are uh, thirteen and fifteen now, so if it was five or six years ago, you can you can you can do the math on how how old they were. But they were there. They were helping helping plate food. And just such a great, a great vibe, a great environment, and uh, and they raise a lot of money. So that that sort of, I think that particular type of event was the it was the precedent for for them, and a great you know it's their biggest 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 fundraiser that that, that they do every year. Yeah, it but, is. You know, yeah. but it's it was you know the, the chefs that I asked, it was they didn't even hesitate. They they were like, yeah, we're in, we're all in. <laughs> Well, so, well so, some of them didn't in the past. You said you talked about doing the dinner up at uh, Caledonia, and I participated a couple of times. I was MC a couple of times up when they did it in Caledonia. That's a haul, but you managed to get right. you managed to get your 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 chefs to come up when you were doing it there, didn't you? That's correct. Yeah. No, it's a you know, it's a solid hour and a half drive. I mean, it's right on the on the Wisconsin border. Um, and uh, yeah, but it was, and it was a Saturday. You know, this is a Saturday night. Sure. You know, oh yeah, was, that's you know. right. So that's that's one of the busier nights of the week for all the restaurant guys. So it it really um, it, it says a lot for the for the character of all all of those individuals, and 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 you know, and every year since that, you know, because there's been a handful. I think this is, I, I my understanding, I think this is the first one this year, the harvest harvest event. Um, that it's going to be, you know, that it's that it's in in Chicago. Actually, it's the second. The, the they, la- they did this last year. Yeah, they did this last okay. year uh, at the same place, and it was, apparently was very successful. And I was talking to some of the folks from uh, Angelic Organics Learning Center the other day, and they were saying now they do an event up Rockford Way uh, to get some of those folks involved, and in that and they're doing it in the city because you know it's hard to get people to drive yeah. an hour and a half to go to an event. Uh, and I think it makes a lot of sense to do it uh, in the city and, and maybe do something up that way. And they've started, Angelic Organics Learning Center's also started having more of their classes in the Chicago area as well. Oh, that's great. So you don't that's have great. to go to the farm. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, it, oh, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, it's nice, you know, anytime somebody can have a connection with where their food comes from, and that's the ultimate experience when you can when you can actually get out to a farm and see the, you know, and see the field, see all the equipment, um, but but it does it, it it you know I think I think I think I think a combination is smart. It's it's nice to have it close to to a, a very populated area. Too. Yeah. Well, my brush with fame uh, was several years ago. Again, one of these events up there when I, that I was emceeing, and Farmer John put me in his pickup truck. <laughs> oh, cool. Oh, yeah. And he, we drove out. <laughs> you got a photo? Uh, you know, I have. I was I was bouncing around on the seat there. Uh, and he he was showing me the farm, and it was it was really he's a he's a trip as you know, yeah. um, and uh, that's Farmer John Peterson, and he was made famous in the film The Real Dirt on Farmer John, which is a documentary, and you should track mm-hmm. it down. You sh- if you haven't seen it, if you want to get a good sense of uh, partly how the local food movement grew, this is a great film to get to get a sense of that. Um, and then, of course, there are people like you uh, and people like Rick Bayless and others who recognize the importance of locally sourced food in their restaurants and bringing it to the table and intro- and, and really kind of introduce and, people. And bringing it mainstream. Farmer John's a little 
well, it's certainly a when little he, out there. Yeah, well, you know, in the in the seventies and eighties yeah. and nineties, when he was doing this, he was it was a little uh, out there. Yeah, but now, but, but going to V, going to Vistro, going to farm to table restaurants and events, it's it it's mainstream. So tell me, uh, well, he was in John was you know, but prior to 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 when he switched over to organic and bio biodynamic, he was a con, he was a conventional f- farmer mm-hmm. in the uh, in the eighties. So that yeah. that it all had changed, and that's and I think that goes to that that's you know to to your point, Mike, about how you know th- this was sort of the beginning and and how things had had changed in the Midwest. Yeah, you know, people started people started moving from the from the from the conventional thought of of agriculture and moving into a more a more sustainable model. So how Paul Paul Verant, uh, Chef yes. Paul Verant, is on the phone with us this morning. How Paul do you bring that aesthetic? to your restaurants well we i mean you know i think i think at this point it's it's something that our customers expect um so we we you know when when we started in 2004 with v i mean we we definitely really educated our 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 you know the staff that was that was representing us the the servers and the bartenders and we really, we really talked about what we were doing and how excited and enthusiastic we were about where we were getting our, our proteins, you know, our, our meat and our produce and, and all the different, you know, our, our, our cheeses. And, and, and it just, and then over time, it just it's sort of, and our, and, our, and our menu was always, you know, it's always been very seasonal and, you know, within every season, there's micros, 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 micro seasons, you know, you're not, you know, you know, summer consists of early summer where there's, you know, where there's strawberries and all the different peas. And then it, then it moves on to the later part of the summer. So p- people expected new, new sort of innovative, exciting things on the menu that, you know, embraced, embraced what was happening in the, in the Midwest. Um, and, and now I think now we have, you know, so they, so they continue to come back for that. And then, you know, you get individuals that maybe move out to where we are in the suburbs right now, and they, they get excited when they hear about that this is what we're all about. And one of the th- main things you do, and I, I was practicing this yesterday because in 2012 you released a book called The Preservation Kitchen, The Craft of Making and Cooking with Pickles, Preserves, and Agre du. Agre du. Agre Agre du. Yeah, that's sweet and sour in French. Uh-huh. Um, but we do, so we do. We there's a heavy emphasis on preservation. You know, we take we take a, a traditional approach to cooking seasonally and embracing the growing season and, and using all the fresh stuff. But then, you know, we want to have access to, to these things in the winter time and other times of the year. Um, so we, we really, you know, I think it was, you know, I grew up outside of, I grew up outside of St. Louis, sort of out in the country and was exposed to this kind of stuff, exposed to, you know, you know, pickling and, and, and fermenting from my grandmother and trips to the farmer's markets. So, you know, as a professional cook, you know, the canning and all, and the, and the preserving was always sort of, that was a hobby. That was an activity that I did outside of, outside of working and, it just made a lot of sense when we opened up the restaurant that we wanted to be able to have, you know, pickled green beans that that we can use in the, in the summertime. And you know, the other the other huge part of it 
is I like I like acid in food, and and the acidity really helps bring mm-hmm. some balance to a plate and offers a pop, offers something that's a little different. Um, and that was a huge part of it too. All of those things, you know, whether it's the agridues or the fermented stuff or even jam, you know, they all provide some acid that helps balance maybe some some richer or fattier com- components of a dish. So that's it's it's a it's a style of cooking, really. It, it, it ended up evolving into a style of, of cooking. And you use that stuff in your restaurants, uh, and it it's it's almost. It's you know I know it's not contradictory but it almost seems that way because with emphasis on fresh your emphasis is on canned stuff mm-hmm. but it's local right. so the, in a sense it is fresh because you canned it <laughs> you know yeah. yeah at the peak of its of its heart at the at the peak of its of its of its quality but we I mean it's a combination of I mean obviously we use you know you know both fresh and and the and the preserve but um, you know we 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 embrace all the fresh stuff and. You know, even in even in the winter time, and it's been, you know, thanks to, you know, in, inspirations like like Farmer John and a lot of these other folks. I mean, people and farmers have learned how to, and I'm sure a lot of it has to do with, with climate change. But they've learned how to extend their seasons, and they can grow longer. I mean, a lot of I would say probably 75 percent of the people that we're working with are growing all year. You know, with with greenhouses and hoop houses and so, so we so the access to the fresh stuff has really changed a lot in in uh, in thirteen years since since we opened. Being. So that's nice. Uh, you know, that's nice to be able to. You know, it's fun. I mean, we I love getting into into the fall and getting into that kind of cooking. But you know, you get into the into the new year, and uh, it, it's it's fun when you can you can work with some green things. So. And, and we only have a couple of minutes, so I just want to let folks know sure. that the event is this Thursday, July 27th at uh, Galleria Marchetti, 825 West Erie in Chicago. 530 is the VIP reception, 6 p.m. cocktails and appetizers, 7 p.m. is the dinner. I will be there. I am <laughs> I am the auctioneer. I may ask for some help, Paul. Um, and uh, Monica Eng. From... I can lend a hand to that. Good. Monica. Well, you're going to be in the kitchen, so uh, I don't know that you'll be able to. Um, Monica Eng from BEZ will be there. Um, there is the uh, No Name String Bang Band is going to be there. There's uh, uh, ingredients are at Summer's Peak Harvest, so... Uh, and they got the ingredients from Angelic Organics Farm, Allgrass Farms, Local Foods, Sitka Salmon Shares, who we've had on the show before, and Jar Sessions, of course, your outfit. Uh, and this is what folks can expect. And if they want information and tickets, they can go to my website, MikeNovak.net, or they can go to LearnGrowConnect.org. All the information is there uh, in in about uh, uh 15 seconds you anything you want to add to this well no I, it's going to be a great event um I'm, I'm really thrilled that my 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 old chefs are all coming out to, to cook for me ed Sura, mm-hmm. spencer blake brian motika keith potter joe frillman um all of these individuals are established chefs now in the chicago area and have once and, spent time in my kitchen so it's an honor to have them and ben truesdell and right. Ben's, oh Jesus, and Ben too from, from the from the Publican. Okay, uh, Paul Veron, congratulations! You're going to be honored this Thursday. I hope folks go to my website and go to Angelic Organics for the information. I will see you then. 
Thank you. I'll see you then. Thank All you. right. Thanks, Paul. The see Mike you then. Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. We'll be right back. Have you ever walked into a hair salon and been overwhelmed by the smell of chemicals? That's never going to happen at Organic Roots Eco Salon. They use only the safest, most natural, professional hair care products available to make sure you get exceptional color results that last and won't harm the environment or you. Their products and services are free from ammonia, formaldehyde, and other toxins ordinarily found in hair color, perms, and keratin smoothing treatments. Organic Roots offers non-toxic, vegan-friendly nail services. They've also just introduced a complete menu of natural hair care services for textured hair of all lengths. And how many salons do you think repurpose hair clippings, recycled product containers, and use LED lighting? Walk into 21st Century Hair Care for women and men at Organic Roots Eco Salon, 3417 Dempster in Skokie. Book your appointment at organicrootsecosalon.com or call 847-423-2653. Health and beauty. You no longer have to sacrifice one for the other. This is your talk. You want to just put in hashtag in any of your social media, hashtag 1590WCGO, Evanston, Chicago. Now back to the Mike Novak Show, full of knowledge. Well, if, if I know so much, how come I ain't rich? <laughs> Some of the wealthiest people are the ones with the least amount of money, Mike. Oh, Can I write that down? Yeah, that's yours. You can use that. Here they are, Mike Novak and Peggy Malecki. And I have to thank Joey Baird, the Wisconsin vegetable gardener, for that uh, little intro. Thank you, Joey. It's nice to have that in there. And that that little interview I did was uh, when uh, he interviewed me uh, Mm -hmm. a couple of months ago. Uh, and, uh, that was a lot of fun and they're up in Wisconsin and you can go to the Wisconsin vegetable gardener.com to find out about Joey and Holly's show. And, and unlike mine, where I just sort of ramble on things, they actually answer your questions and, and help you grow stuff. So, uh, and, and if you happen to still have a July copy of natural awakenings, Joey's got an article in there too. There you go. And it's, it, we're all one big collaboration here uh by the way speaking of fresh food if you like your herbs fresh the july august issue of chicagoland gardening magazine is for you not that you'll receive a packet of just picked herbs when you purchase the magazine it's not quite that easy but nina koziel has a story about those midsummer plants that add so much to a recipe like basil rosemary sage cilantro dill chervil who uses chervil uh, time. Fish. Uh, oh, there you go. And that old devil mint. Uh, she has information on the difference between cool weather and warm weather herbs, as well as some simple ways to exploit their flavors. Then there's my column on the inside back page of every issue. Some people say it's flavorful. Other folks judge it by its aroma. I'm not exactly sure what they mean. Chicagoland Gardening Magazine, a publication of state-by-state gardening magazines. Go to chicagolandgardening.com. If you're in other parts of the Midwest or the South, try one of the 21 magazines in those regions by going to statebystategardening.com or call 888-265-3600, 888-265-3600. You're listening to The Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki and meteorologist, Rick DeMaio, who has returned from his world travels uh, across the big ocean to Iceland. Rick, good morning. Yeah, good morning, Mike, and good morning, Peg. I think the last time we spoke, that's where I was, right, in Iceland? Yeah, yeah you, you were on the side of a glacier. Yeah. 
Um, I don't know if I was on the side of a glacier. I was looking at a glacier, but um, getting close to a glacier is, uh, Peg, probably one of the coolest things. I should say coldest, and that's a bad joke. Uh, one of the coolest things I've ever done in my life. And I, I think it's uh, becoming more and more um, the definitive um, form of you know analysis of how the Earth's climate has warmed over the last 125 years because it, it, it's now pretty much, um, you know, settled science that just about everywhere across planet Earth, the glaciers have shrunk dramatically um, in the last 125 years. And when something goes on for 125 years and looks different from what it did back in 1890, you know that something has changed. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and uh, you could use that argument alone, I suppose. So, uh, oh, yeah, yeah. It, it, it's not like, well, these things have happened before. Um, no, they're happening now. Mm-hmm. And, and it's and it was very, it was very, um, I, I don't know what the word is. It was, it was, it was interesting. Um, it was, it was revealing. Um, there were revelations that myself and the students had when we saw this. Um, and it was at the same time scary because when something takes 125 years to change, um, it probably takes just as long, if not maybe twice as long, uh, to maybe make it go back the other way. And, you know, nature, nature is very stubborn. I always say Mother Nature is very stubborn. She wants to do what she wants to do. And this is clearly going in the wrong direction. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Well, uh, so was the Titanic, uh, obviously. <laughs> And so here we are. And so you talked about the revelations there uh, while you were in Iceland. Aside from the glaciers, that's obviously one. What else? What else really struck you about your trip there? And, of course, I will remind folks that you took a a class of Loyola students, a a group of Loyola students, to look at climate change. How did it manifest itself in Iceland? Well, I think the one thing you got to remember is Iceland's a country um, about the size of Ohio. Um, it basically is the center of the Mid-Atlantic Drift. So you have the North American plate um, and, the Eurasian, and the Eurasian plate basically meeting in that part of the North Atlantic. So you have an island country the size of Ohio. Um, and because it has been basically governed by the same set of people um, for the last 125 to 150 years, uh, you know, in a civilized way and, you know, basically independently since 1944, they have learned to cope, uh, they have learned to adapt, and subsequently they've learned to mitigate um, the type of climate that they have, and thus they have used the benefits of a very limited set of natural resources um, to basically make their country young. So, for example, they have 80% of their electricity from geothermal energy. So they've learned to use what Mother Nature has given them. Uh, They've also learned to use what Mother Nature, uh, or to get the best out of what Mother Nature took away, which is basically deforestation and overgrazing. Wait, wait, wait. Mother Mother Nature did not take that away. I think we got to make that clear that, you know... in terms of climate change, in terms of the the topography of this place, we have a lot to do with the way things look right now. Yeah, yeah. I was going to finish that. Oh, okay. um, the, the Vikings, the Vikings started it, and the active volcanoes helped take it away. 
So from ah. that standpoint, if you if you are able to regrow forests through natural processes, um, then you don't have to worry too much about altering um, the landscape from a standpoint of agriculture. But when Mount Hecla goes off, you know, every 10 years and continues to take away, you know, hundreds and hundreds of acres of agriculture, you basically say, look, <laughs> this is the deal. We're covered with lava now. What do we do next? So from that standpoint, <laughs> Mike, um, <laughs> Mother Nature has said to the people of Iceland, you're never going to really have the soil that they have in Europe. You're never going to really have the soil that they have in the United States. So this is what you have to deal with and make the best of it. And they've learned how to do that. Um, but granted, the Vikings, you know, when they figured out that, you know, the country was warm enough to conquer, they did so. And they cut down literally 80 percent of the trees on that island. And then they allowed the sheep to literally graze from one part of the island to the next. But what people don't realize was the medieval warm period, which started around 790 A.D. and lasted till about 1200 A.D., that literally allowed Iceland uh, to be conquered. And then when we got into the Little Ice Age, it basically said to the Vikings, um, you know, we're going to go back to being cold and miserable with pieces of ice floating around the water, so you need to leave for a while. And that's basically what happened. So Iceland is probably the one place in the world that in the last 2,000 years, you can literally look at the Earth's climate and, and go to Iceland and find different ways of, of seeing how the global climate affected the small island, and then, from that standpoint, see how people have learned to adapt. So it's almost like the best, from the standpoint of an, an experiment, it's almost like the best experiment you have right in front of you and on top of that, it's just god-awful beautiful. So you might as well enjoy it while you're there studying it. And guys, that's where I think the revelations came from. I don't think the students realized that. They thought we were going to just learn about climate change there. But what they ended up learning about was they learned about climate. They learned about climate variability. They learned about how people adapt. They learned about how people get along. And they learned also about sustainability because when you don't have a lot of resources and you have to basically work with what you have, it teaches you a much better way of becoming sustainable without someone just forcing something down your throat because the government said you needed to do that. Mm -hmm. You don't always need the government to tell you what you do. If you obviously need to do something, you'll do it and worry about the government later. Uh, so uh, how do you think uh, the students were affected by all of this? You know what? I think overall in a very positive way because the last thing you want to do is finish up a trip on a down note. Um, so what we did is we basically spent a lot of time going to uh, the national park, the main one, which is Thingvalar. That's the one where the basically the crack of the Mid-Atlantic Drift goes literally right through the center of Iceland. Uh, from that standpoint, you can see how one plate meets up with another plate. Um, when you go to the geysers, uh, matter of fact, the town of Geyser in Iceland is where we got the word geyser from. Um, you, you see how close certain parts of the earth are um, to basically molten lava. Um, you see how certain parts of the earth are affected by uh, warm water. And you see not far from the town of geyser are six geothermal plants, which are very efficiently pulling that hot water um, out of the earth, um, using it to basically power almost the entire city of Reykjavik. Now, granted, it's not a big city, 130,000 people, 
but they get literally all their hot water from the earth, which is really amazing. And then you look at the, the land, the soil, which has been horribly eroded due to three things, natural climate, um, obviously human involvement, and then also just probably, you know, people just not really realizing that you need to get a little bit more aware of what happens when you overgraze mm-hmm. because they only have about maybe four months of the ability to grow, um, you know, alfalfa and hay. And at the same time, if you converted some of those fields into maybe planting, you know, certain types of vegetables and taking people away from meat, maybe not having to grow so much alfalfa and hay. So it, it not only allows you to understand the natural processes of the world, but it also gives you a template on how to go about changing things and realizing that the process is a, is a very, very long period of time as well. Yeah. You know, the other, uh, we're going to have to break here in about a minute, uh, but sure. the other week, uh, Kathleen and I were listening to a program about the Galapagos Islands and how mm-hmm. the tortoises in some of them have completely disappeared. And why? Well, because settlers came, they brought goats, mm-hmm. and the goats ate everything from you know uh, yeah. from shore to shore uh, and destroyed the habitat there. And so scientists came in and said, well, we're going to restore the tortoises. And what did the people do? They go, no, you can't take our goats. And so this is, this is kind of, it's this ongoing battle with humanity sticking their nose in and, and yeah. changing ecosystems and and, right. how, and and what is the right ecosystem for uh, an island especially because it's so they're so isolated uh well okay that's rick DeMaio. We're we're coming back with more he's our meteorologist we're actually going to get a, a forecast as well we'll talk about the rain a little bit we hope to talk also about the wild wildfires out in british columbia uh, this is the mike novak show with peggy malecki and uh, we hope you stick around for that conversation Is this the year you finally get your lawn off drugs? But why stop there? Why not work with your city, your park district, and your local schools to create a neighborhood of lawns that are beautiful and safe? Logic Lawn Care is an Evanston-based company with a decade of experience managing large turf areas naturally. They'd be happy to sit down with you, your local school, or city to answer any questions and to give you a free lawn care estimate. Go to LogicLawnCare.com or call 847-421-6500. VeggieFest Chicago is back on August 12th and 13th. Be part of one of the largest vegetarian food and lifestyle festivals in North America. Veggies and omnivores alike will have a great time. There's a huge international food court, health professionals with advice for good living, food and cooking demos, a children's tent, live music with some of Chicago's best bands, more than 100 vendors, and it's free. It's at Benedictine University, 5700 College Road in Lyle. Go to VeggieFestChicago.org. This is your talk. Hey, this place is really something else, huh? Only on 1590 WCGO, Evanston, Chicago. So we're going to give it back to the tortoises. Is that what we're going to do? I don't know. Uh, welcome back to uh, the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. Rick DeMaio is on the line. Uh, we are talking a little bit about 
Iceland. He just got back from there studying climate change with Loyola students. Uh, there's more information that he can talk about in probably two days, but <laughs> we have another 10 minutes. Uh, Peggy. So some of the photos that you were sending back um, other weeks while you were there showed that you were visiting people at their farmhouses and talking to a lot of the local residents. And I'm kind of curious how they are viewing climate change and also how they're viewing the way the U.S. is reacting to climate change. You know, the the, the, the second question is pretty easy, Peg. They think that Trump is a joke. Uh, they think that the U.S. has been basically um, sold a bill of goods. Um, they think that us pulling out of the Paris Accord was was terrible, but not the end of the world because they still feel that um, you know grassroots efforts can can change that decision very easily. Mm-hmm. Um, but to answer the first part of your question, um, we actually spent uh, two different, actually one, two, three different days uh, with two farmers, uh, one who has 600 hectares, which is about 1,500 acres, I believe, um, and he has goats. He has sheep. By the way, there's 800,000 sheep on Iceland, and there's 330,000 people. <laughs> so you get, you get a lot of land there. Uh, there's a lot of Guernsey, a lot of Jersey cows. There's a lot of Icelandic ponies, uh, basically beasts of burden. Mm-hmm. It's not the best place in the world to just ride a horse for pleasure. Um, but the, the farmers that we spend time with, not only did we literally break bread with them, uh, but we watched how they used geothermal energy um, on their farms. Both farms were powered by geothermal, which was amazing. They had their own private pumps um, that they were able to, just like a well, you, you know, put a drill down in the, in, the, in the earth and you pull up geothermal and that's mm-hmm. yours. It's really, really quite amazing. But one farmer who's only about probably a half mile from the ocean noticed that over the last probably 15 years, because of course every time I got into a conversation with someone who was local, I'd say, how has the weather changed? And usually the first thing they say is the winters, uh, we don't get as much snow. Um, we aren't as cold. Um, and on top of that, they noticed that the water off the coast has been warming to a point where the fish are going to a lower level. So the seagulls are coming further in for food. Mm-hmm. And what they're doing is they're raiding some of the nests of the terns and, for, and then forcing the terns literally to move inland. And, and these are just observations that a farmer has. So from that standpoint, uh, they are definitely seeing the warmer waters changing not only the ecosystem, but also the weather as well. So to answer your question, the farmers are probably the ones that are best to ask because they're not Republican or Democrat. They're, they're literally observing science at that point. Uh, and then they're just basically giving their feedback on it. So really a lot of revealing stuff from that standpoint. That's really amazing. And uh, what it illustrates is the, the people who are on the front lines of right. climate mm-hmm. change. Uh, of course, and I'm going to do a, a 180 here. Uh, actually not. It's it's more of a just a segue talking about being on the front lines of climate change. The climate change models tell us that Chicago will have these ridiculous rainstorms where all this stuff gets dumped. Instead of an inch of rain, we get two or three or four or six. 
and yeah. we're and we're in the middle of the one of those right now. So yeah. let's 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 do a and and in the future in the next few weeks, feel free to 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 bring up stuff that you you learned at Iceland. But I really want to get to what's happening here right now because it's so dramatic. Yeah. Yeah, you know, it's amazing, like, because, you know, I'm I, I'm also adjunct professor at Oakland Community College, and we've been in, I've been in communication with them for the last week. Um, uh, that college has been closed now um, since last Wednesday. Uh, actually, yeah, went, no, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, they're not open on Friday, and there's a pretty good chance that they may not be open on Monday, uh, because as the uh, Cook County Emergency Management uh, officials stated, as well as a school president, this is the sixth 100-year flood we've had in 30 years. And they they both have said, when are we going to stop calling this 100-year floods? I mean, this is not only six to seven inches of rain. Um, we're 12 to 14 inches of rain, Mike and Peg, so far above normal for the year, 12 to 14 inches. In addition to that, you keep seeing the places that have flooded, um, and it's basically a lot of these east-west roads. Uh, that cross over River Road, uh, not River Road, but the Desplaines River. Um, and part of that, unfortunately, is, and you, and you got to look back at one of the reasons why certain roads like Golf Road floods a lot. Golf Road actually has to go below grade due to the fact that there's a freight line that was laid down years ago that runs mm. adjacent yeah. to River Road. So by forcing that road below grade, next to a river is probably not the best planning 50 years ago, but when they made these plans, they go, oh, well, it hasn't flooded in 50 years, we're fine. Now they realize that just about every time you get four inches of rain, that road floods. If you live in the northern suburbs and you try to get from the east side to the west side in that area north of O'Hare and south of Willow Road, Golf Road and Central Road are two very important roads that people use. And this is one of the things now that not only do geographers but city planners have to now incorporate into their models. There's none of this, we still need to figure the science out. They don't care about that. That's why when you think of climate change, forget about what the president's doing. It's now, it's now becoming more of a state, a county, and a local, um, a local problem. And people, are, people aren't even caring now what President Trump has said. It's becoming more and more apparent that um, he's basically got his head in you know where. <laughs> Uh, I, I'm, I'm not going to disagree with you about that. And, and I want to put something into perspective here. You said we're 12 to 14 inches above, above what? Normal for the above year, normal. Yeah. Okay. The Chicago area. Nor- for the year or for the month? For the year. For the year. Um, since, since the first of the year, Peg, am okay. I yeah, okay. 12 and a half inches above normal. But yeah, the, from where the, we should be for now. But the point is we normally get about 35 inches of rain per year. So we are we have more than an extra third of rain uh, oh, yeah. Already. Already. We're yeah, in, Rock, in, Rockford is up to 32 inches already. Yeah. That, <laughs> so uh, so uh, this is what we're dealing with. So yeah. uh, g- give us a quick forecast here. And then if you've got 30 seconds to talk about sure. the, the weather out in British Columbia, that would be great. Um, yeah, without a doubt, the heaviest rain, the severe weather threat is now south of us. Today begins the first day of five days of non-heavy rain. So we could maybe squeeze out a shower or thunderstorm later on today. But the bottom line is the pattern has now shifted. Uh, temperatures in parts of eastern Washington, Oregon, and western Montana, anywhere between 8 and 10 degrees above normal since June 1st. So, again, hot weather out west, 
wet weather across the Great Lakes in the Northeast. And again, it took a while for us to get into that pattern, Mike and Peg. But once we did, it has established itself as that's what the summer is going to be like. I always say you have to wait a few weeks before the pattern establishes itself, and it certainly has. So uh, you don't see any changes uh, to either right now? Well, not long term, but the next five days we'll take a bit of a, a break from that, and we can either go right back in the wet pattern and that, you know, seven to 14 days out from that at this point. Uh-huh. And again, it all depends on where these little boundaries set up, and look what happened. Yeah. Between Madison and Peoria, about a foot of rain has fallen in the last two weeks. That's pretty impressive. Yeah, I was so. looking at some of your charts. It's stunning. All right. Uh, Rick DeMaio, meteorologist extraordinaire. Welcome back home. I, I'm, I'm looking forward to hearing more from your trip uh, out to Iceland, and we will talk to you next week. Sounds good, guys. Talk to you then. Okay. Uh, it sounds like uh, we don't have really good news for Dave Scott when we talk to him tomorrow, but uh, we'll see what he's got to say. And he will be on the phone tomorrow. we got a great show tomorrow, including Michelle Hoffman, who's our new Science Desk editor. I want to thank Chef Paul Verant also today for being on the show. Until tomorrow at 9 a.m., go green or go home. Stadler? Yeah, uh, what? Is that it? Yes, it's over. How'd you like it? I don't know. I slept through the whole thing. Well, you didn't miss much.